Today's episode of Anything is Potable is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to anything.robinhood.com. That's anything.robinhood.com. Please note that all investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation for any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percent yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. What's up, and welcome back to Anything is Potable, the greatest Celtics podcast of all time. I'm Jay King with The Athletic, here with Sam Jam Packard, the great, who likes to be known as a professional Celtics fan. Right on. That's his new moniker. He's in Orlando with the team. I am joining the team later on this road trip, so I'll be there in New Orleans and Miami. We've got a few things to talk about. Jason Tatum had a groin injury, but also I think it's interesting how Kemba Walker has taken to and has approached the emergence of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because obviously Kemba has not played with a lot of great players over the course of his career. Like We could probably have a long conversation about who the best player he ever played with before this season was. I'm glad you said before the season because I was about to say Jason Tatum. We could say Cody Zeller. <laughs> we could say Ooh. Al Jefferson. Batum? But peak Batum? We could say peak Batum, but whoever we said, it would not necessarily be a great player. So, so his... his kind of meshing with the young stars that Boston has and the emerging young stars who are still growing and still expanding their games and still honestly ironing out a number of issues that they still have has been interesting. And obviously that was one area where Kyrie Irving struggled a lot. And this isn't to compare him and Kemba, but no, if you bring up one, you got to bring up the other. But I, them's the rules. I do think Kemba has taken a healthy approach to this. I'll say that he's taken a healthy approach that he wants Jason Tatum to be great. He wants Jalen Brown to be great. He wants all his teammates to be great. And when they are, he's okay with the nights when he starts 0 for 7 from the field or whatever it was in the win against Memphis. And I don't know if he's okay with it. I mean,. I know what you're saying. I think he's like done a very good job of taking a kind of a a bigger backseat role when it comes to that, especially after being the guy and being someone who's like responsible for it, uh, like for the entire production of his team as he was with the Hornets. But he was not pleased with himself in that Memphis game. And like when he did finally make a shot, 
He basically like gave himself a little. He was uh, hilarious about it. He gave himself a mock cheer, like like crowds give to refs when they blow every call for like five minutes straight, and then finally give a call to the home team. He gave that to himself. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player do that before. It made me laugh pretty hard in the press press row. I was right there with you. It was pretty hilarious, but I think the larger point remains that his ability to take a back seat and um, just like in Brad Stevens parlance, like make the right read. Like they, he gets a lot of attention and he's passing out of double teams and like doing it, everything the team needs to do uh, for like, for to basically just impact winning. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's never like uh, been on like a, a winning team. So he's willing to do whatever it takes to sacrifice. Um, but for someone who has was as high usage as him, someone who is like capable of going off for sixty points uh, pretty easily, uh, his ability to take a back seat and just like be deferential to guys who are what eight years younger than him, maybe not that much, six years younger than him, uh, has been um, like very commendable in terms of just like sacrificing for the greater good. Yeah, and I think I think it's worth. Talking about since I did bring up Kyrie earlier, I, I think it's it's worth talking about how different Kemba's path has been so far. Like like for Kyrie, he was for, coming from Cleveland where they made three straight finals, and he was coming from a place where he'd already won a championship, and he was coming from a place where he had seen championship caliber basketball, and he knew what it took, and he he loved telling people about that. But he he really did, and so when he came to Boston, he didn't he didn't necessarily always, I think, appreciate the fact that he was surrounded by a lot of young talented pieces. In some ways, he wanted those guys to grow up really quickly. Whereas Kemba comes from Charlotte, where he has to do everything by himself, and he misses the playoffs a couple times in a row. And he comes to Boston, and all of a sudden, he's with three guys who are on the national team with him. And he's with guys that are really talented for the first time in, really, his NBA life. And so for him, it's just a totally different perspective. And so he knows that he needs those guys, whereas Kyrie wanted to change those guys. Kemba is just, like, very happy to be with guys who are talented. I think the the difference in perspective is is just notable. Um I think Kemba like the moments when Tatum or Brown kind of take over, Kemba notices that. And and he always always urges them to keep going and keep trying to score. And I I honestly think that that's a real thing, and that's a thing that helps Tatum and it helps Brown. And those guys, like, they've gone through some some learning experiences this season. Obviously, Brown was really efficient for a while, had, had a little dip. Uh, Tatum has kind of gone through struggles of trying to become more of a primary creator. But Kemba, like, Kemba sees that those guys are, are different talent level than anybody he's been with before. And... And he just kind of savors it. And I think that's that's notable. And I think that that is a big thing for the Celtics. And I think, honestly, like as good as Kemba is, 
the Celtics won't reach the level they want to unless Tatum and or Brown are their best players. Like, do you think that's for this year or like in general? Because I agree, like long term. I agree. Is- uh, that's in that's in general. Like that that's just so. That's my question for this year. Is like Kemba has been very deferential, and like Tatum getting hot, he'll feed Tatum. Uh, same thing with Jalen, but to a lesser extent. Uh, there's not a lot of like and. Most of my memories of Kemba are when he just absolutely killed the Celtics and um, like he was the entire offense. We haven't really seen a lot of just like Kemba looking to get his. And I think that's like many of the reasons why we're praising him right now. And I'm literally just playing devil's advocate here is like, uh, is there going to be a time where like he needs to be able to step up and he needs to be the guy who's going to be able to drop um 35 and now that i've actually said it out loud there's been a number of times where he's dropped uh 30 to 40 points this year when kind of that's what the defense gave him so i was trying to come up i was trying to be a negative sports talk radio guy i was trying to come up with a problem with what kemba's doing but um no it seems to be all good because when there are moments where the team needs his scoring he seems very uh willing and able to kind of like just get his and like kind of put the team on his back yeah he he's going to need to be like super aggressive i'm interested to see what playoff kemba looks like because he's only been in the playoffs i think twice in his career he's never been out of the first round he hasn't been in years and now he's on a team with hopes of a deep run and a lot of the times players will tell you like they need to learn how to win in the playoffs they need to learn how to succeed when a, a, a opposing team with a whole lot of talent is game planning to stop you and throwing different wrinkles on different possessions. Like guys, guys say that's a real thing that you have to kind of adjust to and get used to. And he's going to be the best player on the Celtics with the most attention of anyone on the Celtics. And I'm interested to see how he handles that. Obviously, he's he's capable and he's been great and he's been efficient, but it it's different in the playoffs. And I, I think how he handles that and how he balances that aggression and kind of notices when the Celtics need him to ratchet it up and take it to another level will be very important for them. Um, playoff, what do you think playoff Kemba is going to be like? I don't know. I feel like if it, okay. it feels like that, that was a bad question. Are you? Do you have any concerns that he hasn't been to the playoffs a lot and that he doesn't have playoff experience and that the Celtics' best player will kind of, in some ways, be a playoff newbie? I feel like I would have more concern if the other pieces weren't there and the other pieces like Tatum and Jalen Brown also didn't have playoff experience, but. I think just like Kemba with this core is an entirely different experience. Like he's finally beat LeBron James. Like that's never, never happened in his career. And I think that largely had to do with his like ability to um, share the ball. And I think in the playoffs, you talk about scheming against Kemba. I think he's showing that he's not going to be stubborn enough to try and kind of fight through schemes. He's going to give up the ball. If that's the, makes the right read. And it, the, the fact that he actually has trust in his teammates would give me more confidence than if he was trying to do everything in himself because then the offense becomes 
entirely reliant on him. I mean, we saw with Kyrie last year in the Milwaukee series, like he stunk and there's nothing the Celtics could really do because they're like the other players weren't really used to to stepping up. There was so much reliance on Kyrie's kind of individual performance. So the fact that like there's, I would say Tatum's really the other, the, the other guy, but like Brown can have his moments and Hayward can even like have his moments. The fact that there's so many different options, I think it makes it, um, better for the playoffs just because you can't scheme just one guy out of it yeah yeah that makes sense and I think this team like last year's team was always reluctant to accept that its greatest strength was its depth like players they probably knew that in the back of their heads but they never accepted it they never played like it they never realized like what makes us really tough to stop or should make us really tough to stop is that we have playmaking threats everywhere. They never they never played like they knew that. And this year's team is better about that. And obviously they don't have as many threats. Their bench, like we've talked about, doesn't have a, as many playmakers as last year. They don't have, you know, Terry Rozier who can get a shot or Marcus Morris who's capable three-point shooter. They don't have those pieces. But... They still have, when they're healthy, five guys who can dribble, pass, shoot, do everything. And they have more guys than than just about any team who can do that. And and they realize it this year. And they're okay with, with spreading it. And maybe that's because they don't have high usage guys on the outskirts of the rotation. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I was going to say... I- I think it helps that like they know that those five guys know that like they have to step up. I think the thing that's like bit very concerning about the Celtics as they like kind of look forward to the playoffs is uh, I think there's a lot of confidence that comes with all five of the main guys being healthy and knowing that like those five guys are very good and they can do a lot of things um, when those five guys are healthy with a little bit of Tice, a little bit of Cantor. Um, but if one of those guys is hurt, they know how bad the bench is. Like, I think there has to be some sort of that, like subconsciously in the back of their minds where um, you just hear them all talk about, like, cause I think it's been a repeated question just because the health has been so questionable, uh, especially in January. It's just like, you hear the guys talk about like how excited they are for when everyone's fully healthy. And I think it just like, gives them the boost. But if one of those guys happens to go down, like it just means more minutes for guys that the like the main five probably don't have faith in. It feels like the defense has a very slim margin for error, and so if they're not playing with like the utmost confidence, um, or if there's mistakes being made, I think that's like the biggest concern. I don't think it's going to be if the five guys are on the court, I, there'll be problems. I think if there one guy's missing, uh, it basically like the whole thing can crumble pretty easily. Yeah, and we can use that as a segue to talk about. Jason Tatum's groin injury. Obviously, it doesn't look like a major issue. He's questionable for Friday's game against Orlando. It's not going to be a big deal, um, or at least a a long-term deal from the sound of it. But when he went down and with with Jalen Brown out too, and with kind of the ins and outs that they've had, like when when he was... When he went out, hobbled out with his groin injury, it's like, what do they do if they lose him for an extended period of time? 
And I, I think we should use this probably as a way to talk about how Tatum has kind of gotten rid of some of the efficiency in his game lately. If you look at the last couple months, December and January, the Celtics have played a total of 24 games, which is at this point more than half their season. And he shot 56.2% true shooting in December, 56.4% true shooting in January. And all of that with a high usage rate while playing great defense and rebounding the basketball for a team that badly needs it. So I, I think he, he's kind of broken out of the inefficient start that everyone talked about for a while at the beginning of the season. And he's kind of settled into the role of creator like we talked about. And and that's that's a big deal for them. Like him being more efficient, especially after the you know the layups he botched earlier in the season, the some of the like two for seventeen games or whatever it was, that's that's a major development for them. And I think he is growing more comfortable with with all the responsibilities that he has this year as as he kind of emerges as the Celtics second guy. Yeah, I think Brad had an interesting point about like making rim reads and he definitely had a point of emphasis early in the season like I need to get to the rim, I need to get to the rim, but getting to the rim and failing as much as he did really puts the kind of the transition defense in a tough spot. And we've seen him kind of be more patient. You noted the other game where he was like, he kind of had a little Gordon Hayward to his game where he he wasn't even like just putting his head down trying to get to the rim. He kind of was patient, pulled up and hit that like a, a five or six footer. We've seen him add a little bit of a floater to his game. It just feels like he's adding a little bit of like kind of that more um, just making the better reads and not just like he is getting to the rim and went but. Uh, or he's just attacking the paint more. And when he does get to the rim, it feels like he's knocking down the easy layups. Whereas before it was kind of wild. It seems like he's much more in control now. And the thing is like, uh, I don't think the Celtics, like they kind of have sustained some Hayward injuries. They sustained Jalen Brown injuries. Kemba being out really did not help. But I think like if Tatum missed significant time, it would have been really bad news bears just because, he made it such a big impact on the defensive end too. And we like just mentioned how like kind of how slim that margin for error is. Um, I think the good news is, is that like he's the injury report just came out. I'm like kind of surprised he's questionable uh, for the game against the magic. I'm I prediction based on nothing. Don't think he'll play just out of like an abundance of caution. Uh, but I, I thought the, the Celtics really kind of dodged one there because I don't think they would be able to survive a long period of time uh, with Tatum on the sidelines. Like Siakam strained his groin earlier in the year and missed nine games. 11, if Tatum I believe. missed like, ooh, that's Jay King with the facts. If, he missed, <laughs> like, if Tatum missed 10 games, let's uh, split the difference. I don't think the Celtics would do very well in those games. Like they really, he's a significant part of what they're doing on both offense and defense. Yeah, and to your point about his maturation, the first half of the Grizzlies game, I thought might have been his best half of the season. I believe he had 21 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and he really had it going. Like there was a there was a spurt there where the Celtics did not have, like it looked like they were going to have to kind of fight through an ugly outing. They were down I think 42-35. 
and he had a couple buckets against Kyle Anderson, one on the baseline, and then one at the foul line, like a pull-up. And then he's hot, and he made some really nice reads and found Daniel Tice at the three-point arc for three. And that, to me, is is the maturation. And that Jalen Brown has, has shown that this year. He, he's a much more willing and better passer. And Tatum isn't an elite passer yet by any stretch. But when he's more willing to do that and when he's able to use his personal threat to open other guys, that really helps the Celtics offense. And uh, I thought his his game against Memphis in the first half was just really, really impressive. I thought Javante Green gave them great minutes off the bench. Javante Green was the best rookie in that game. Probably the, <laughs> some Josh Slander. Um, I mean, Shaw had his career low two points. Yeah, but Javante Green, probably his best minutes of the season, right? That was his best stint. The first oh, yeah, stint. High, high energy, attacking the basket, like doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, the Celtics. I would definitely say so. The Celtics, I mean, the 23-0 run, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a 23-0 run. Maybe like, what was the run against, in, what was it, game three against the Sixers a few years ago? Couple years ago, it was something like that. It was. It was. I feel like they've got they've gotten like twenty three row runs scored on them probably more recently than they've gone on that run. The thing that's like crazy is just like they completely shut down the Grizzlies, who like were like coming into this game were scoring a lot of buckets, and this was without Jalen Brown. And it's I I couldn't tell if it was just like the Grizzlies, like Ja Morant clearly had a an off night and like. He's probably the straw that stirs the drink for them, but I don't understand how the Celtics can go from like losing six of eight and having like just looking kind of lost on defense uh, to playing like two of their best defensive game. Like, is it just like a magic? Like, uh, sell me on the magic of that film session. Like, what was like? How do they just like turn it on like that? Uh, they just started playing together with more energy. They started playing better with like more effort and like and more ball denial on the perimeter. Brad sounds like a broken record, but he stresses every single press conference. We need to play with ball pressure because if we don't play with ball pressure, guys get to their spots and the Celtics aren't big enough to stop. And I think the, I think that's, that's really important. And when they do play with ball pressure, like they had a ton of deflections against Memphis and then they can get out in transition. And then it matters more that they have all those guys who can run and dribble and pass. And with the Celtics, like when they deflect a pass, when they get a steal, whoever picks it off can typically lead the break. Like whoever gets it can typically just go. And and so they can they can turn defense into offense. And then all of a sudden they've got Big guys scrambling to catch up. I think Jaron Jackson had an awesome, awesome first quarter against Boston, but it's tough for him to guard Gordon Hayward, and like that—that's a really tough matchup. And teams have tough matchups against the Celtics when when a lot of the Celtics' best players are on the floor. And so the the defensive energy really stood out against Memphis. I thought the offense was fantastic against L.A. But the the defensive intensity against Memphis that second quarter might have been the best that the Celtics defense has looked in a month, month and a half. Yeah, all season. Like they, the thing they I always smothering. try to pay 
tension too is like, what does Brad say in his post game that was like kind of unprompted? And twice he just talked about how much fresher the team looked. And I don't really know how to read between the lines there. It's just like they're playing with more energy or like had more bounce, but it certainly felt that way when like looking at what they did uh, in the second quarter. And it's like, Hard to figure out exactly what to attribute that to. Maybe that was, it's just like that, a little bit of rest. That was him saying, you guys are idiots. We played 10 games in 16 days. Of course, we were going to lose some of those games. The schedule was hectic. We didn't play well, partly because of that. And now we were at home. We got a couple days in between games. And voila, wouldn't you idiots know we're playing better? We're playing better. We had a, a film session that was basically just a way to rest, but uh, all of those things combined. Yeah, you're right. I think like they their schedule was pretty insane. Uh, that amount of games, like they had three basically consecutive three games and four nights. Um, so pretty wild, but it was just interesting because like Brad never wants to make the schedule excuse. He never like wants to make anything an excuse, but uh, if that's the interpretation of his comments, that's it's uh, a nice flex by Brad. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I think that's got to be it. They, they played 10 games in 16 days. Now all of a sudden he's talking about them looking fresh when they, they were at home for two games and got, you know, one day of rest slash film, another off day. Like, yeah, I think I think Brad Brad was, Brad was using the schedule excuse without using the schedule excuse. Ooh, a little Jedi mind tricks there. I like it. Yeah, I think we're running out of steam, so... The one thing, no, oh, there's one last one thing more. we got to talk about. Marcus Smart's commitment to fancy passing uh, against the Grizzlies. He was just like trying to do, like trying to get on highlights strictly for passing. The one pass to Javante was just, uh, he's basically just like looked like he was dribbling to set it up. Um, and then the other one where he th- tried to save it between his legs. Tatum luckily got it. Then he did another cool pass to Tatum. Um, I just like Smart's uh, commitment to just whatever Marcus Smart does, he just does it full, full, full send every single time. Sometimes he's going to shoot 22 threes. Sometimes he's just going to like try to get uh, an amazing assist. Uh, but he deserves some credit just because uh, it felt like he knew the game was in hand and was like, all right, I'm going to really try to do some things. He had some crazy like loopy, like super uh, high in the air passes that went across the court. He was just trying some stuff tonight, and I appreciate the braggadocio of Did it. you just say tonight when it wasn't tonight? I might have. You did. You just you just brought out an, an ill-advised tonight. I, I like that. But <laughs> I don't know if it was ill-advised. I think it was just more mistaken. Ill-advised, mistaken, egregiously wrong. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but yeah, he – and the Celtics – it was kind of a highlight reel for it kind of turned into a highlight reel for them. Like they were just they were grooving. They were grooving. Javante was out there dunking. They had Marcus Smart throwing dime after dime. They had thirty something assists two games in a row for the first time all season. They haven't always been a high assist team, which is rare for Brad Stevens clubs. And that's partly because they're big on pull up shooting around screens. But the last couple of games, defense and offense has been in sync, and they've been they've been real. They've had some really great passing exhi- exhibitions. A lot of those due to Marcus Smart, who really is he's turning up the degree of difficulty lately. Whether, like you said, whether it's by launching twenty two threes or 
throwing a lefty around the back, wraparound pass in traffic between three guys. He's he's on one lately. And yeah, some would say Megliola esque. <laughs> some would say Megliola esque. Let's end it there with a secret joke for one listener out there that nobody <laughs> else will get. But anyway, this is the subscriber only edition of the Anything Is Potable podcast. We also do one free show per week. Please. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify. You can get that directly on there. Give us a five-star rating and listen to us always. That is the most important advice I can give you. That's it for this anything. This episode of Anything is (laughs) Potable. Anything is Potable! There you go.